0: Welcome to The Scott Townsend Show, brought to you by dietz man Productions. For any business owners that are out there, you know, the old days of I am boss, you are employee, those days are gone, okay? We live in a world now of people saying, hey, what's in it for me to work there, Ken, okay? Because I can job shop you all day long with the supply and demand that we have going on. So the minute you let go of being I am boss, okay, and you, and you get wholly interested in what your people want for themselves, your company is going to take off like you have never imagined.
1: Hey, this is Scott Townsend, and you're watching, listening to The Scott Townsend Show, and today I have with me uh, author, business owner, father, husband, all-around great guy, Ken Russ. Ken, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me, Scott. I appreciate it
1: you know uh this uh your your book which we'll be talking about today blue collar cash um it's kind of like a manifesto to for the working man um and an ar- a great argument and i wish i had the actual book but your agent or publicist or a- allison was kind enough to send me the pdf version so that's what your book looks like in pdf right there <laughs> and uh, so that was a lot of fun getting through and i really enjoyed that um so, why did you write the book? What we'll start with the general there. Why why write the book? Blue collar cash.
0: Well, you know, for me, I, I'm in a I'm in a business that is um, is a ditch digging business. I've been actually doing this since I was 15 years old, and I kind of grew within the company, and that's a whole story in itself. But um, I started to recognize that we grew from six people 30 some years ago to 200 and that required us to do a lot of hiring obviously we do a lot of hiring and, and ours is a ours is a tough dirty business it's it's dump trucks and gravel and buckets of tar and digging holes and water right. and all that kind of stuff so i had to create or find a way to create an attractive culture so people would want to work within our organization so we were constantly reinventing what it was like to work here and offering things that would make people want to stay. And I think one of the key things for us was we discovered that if you put people in charge of their own future and they felt like they were in control of that, they would stay and they would work really hard and they would drive your company further than you could drive it all by yourself. So the more I did this involuntary life coaching, if you will, the more I had these success stories coming around. And um, people said to me, "You know, Ken, you got to get this story beyond the four walls of your company." And it was funny because at that time I was also kind of writing a letter to my daughter, um, who was suffering from from cancer at the time. She's she's fine now, thank God. But I was writing a letter to her about what I thought was really important, and the words comfort, peace, and freedom kept coming back into my mind. So it kind of was a, a confluence of all those things at the same time, and finally, my. My wife Nancy said, "You know, you need to write this down and and see where it goes." And here we are, eighty thousand words later, and we've got <laughs> yeah. a book out there. So,
1: <laughs> so let's jump onto that uh, comfort, peace, freedom uh, concept—the triangle there. I, I found the uh, definitions of a couple of the words interesting. When I think, what I think of comfort, <clears throat> sometimes people will 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 say that word in a uh, negative light, like. Uh, you don't want to you know don't get comfortable. Um, you know the only constant is change. You know don't don't rest on your laurels. But you talk about comfort in kind of a different way. And so I'll I'll kick that over to you. Talk about comfort, peace, and freedom, and what you meant by that.
0: Well, well first off, one of the things that we try to do is we try to get people to visualize what they want their future to look like, because you know. This is controversial but sometimes I believe that it's not so important what you do for a living as it is what you do with what you do for a living And what I mean by that is what exactly are you doing with the money that you earn the time that you spend and um, and, and, and your, your free time and, and um, your your give back time your charity time all the things that that make you a whole person so we spend a lot of time getting people to actually write down, um, in fact, we use crayons and cardboard, and we actually get them to write down.
1: That was going to be my next uh, question.
0: Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> we get them to write down what their version of comfort, peace, and freedom is, because I believe that that is really our ultimate goal. And those, those words were kind of in a triangle form, meaning one is kind of dependent upon the other. And for us, what we found was when people started to visualize what they wanted out of their life, then they could make different occupational choices. And they could find ways to seek the level that they wanted to seek. And, just, you know, you have to remember that not everyone is going to, their, their world is all about mega yachts and McMansions and 15 cars. I mean, if, you, if you're if you going after that, fine. But some people, they just have a vision of how they want their life to live and what, what a comfort state of mind would be there. And what a peaceful state of mind would be if I achieved this level of life and therefore I have a whole lot of mental freedom based on the fact that I've created those things. And once you do that, I think you've beat 99% of the people on the planet.
1: I liked what you said in the book about uh, being comfortable in your own skin, you know, being your own person, being comfortable with who you are, not trying to be something that someone else thinks you need to be. Or a lot of us feel like we need to live up to other people's expectations. Absolutely. And And, you know, you're definitely not comfortable in that situation. But once you find your your groove, your path. And a a, a lot of what you talk about in the book is college, not college. And, uh, I went to college route and probably didn't need to do that looking back on it. But, uh, I think it's almost, I don't know. I think it's almost criminal the way, uh, kids are saddled with debt these days thinking that they, you know, even when you're in middle, mid school, high, junior high, people start asking you, so what school are you going to go to? Right. They start conditioning you to form an answer. And so you feel, as a kid, you feel like you've got to come up with an answer and you never hear them say, well, I want to be a plumber or a, I want to be a electrician. You know, you don't hear that. Um, it's a shame.
0: Well, you know, my, my daughter, you're exactly right. My daughter came home and she was 15 years of age and, and from, from high school and said, hey, they, they want to know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I said, but you're 15. How could you possibly know that? <laughs> and um, they're, they're talking about, well, they're doing this college prep thing. And I started looking at it. And all of a sudden, these high schools, they all started calling themselves college prep schools. And I thought, well, wait a minute, that that can't be possible because for example, we used to have shop class in the 70s and mm-hmm. 80s, and even before that, obviously. And that just went away, and they, they replaced those rooms with computers. And, you know, I, don't, I never really thought that should be a binary choice, one or the other. Obviously, computers are important. We need to learn those things. But it eliminated millions of kids from discovering, accidentally even, Shopping or um, you know shop class, welding, uh, uh, electrician, woodworking, uh, woodworking, uh, mechanics, mm-hmm. uh, home economics, all those kinds of things, and then if you pair that up with now instead of kids building tree forts in their backyard with hammers and nails and wood, they're they're building them on their computer screens. I mean it it just isn't the same thing. So it's almost like this confluence of of that. Um, event happening along with this shift, this pendulum shift towards, man, you got to go to college or you're less than. And it's created this almost stigma towards blue collar work, which is crazy because if there's 165 million people working in the United States at any one time, about half of them are doing something with their hands. So who's going to fix our bridges and who's going to build our buildings and who's going to do all these things? If everyone goes and gets a degree if we oversupply the economy with, with n- n- nondescript degrees so it's just a theory I have that I think that we need, really need to take a look at where we're going and how did we get here
1: It's a shame yeah that the that the kids are are herded toward and, 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 and you know the other thing too is there is a place for the college I mean I don't want my sure. surgeon um, looking at a YouTube video on how to fix a knee before he <laughs> cuts into my knee you know. And so there's a there's a place for that, for sure. Um, but I think a lot of kids, uh, myself included, were probably uh, didn't have any idea of what they wanted to do. And, and you you know, your parents tell you you're going to college, and so that's what you do. But uh, I don't regret it so much, but I, I, I see kids these days, and I hear the uh, the astronomical numbers of debt that they're saddled under. What would you say? The average payment is like $351 a month for... That's yeah. that's the average, that's low end.
0: And, and here's the thing, you know, and, and uh, to get back to what you just said, I use that analogy a lot. I'm, I'm not an anti-college guy. I mean, if you're gonna, I'm a golfer. So if you're gonna operate on my shoulder, I, I need you to know everything you need to know about right. that. Or if you're gonna teach people or you're gonna manage money or, or design a building, yeah, you need to do that. Um, but it was never designed for everybody to begin with. And somehow we've shifted to that place. Now, if you start thinking about this this fact, 40% of kids go to college without any idea why they're going. And yet 30% of them graduate and never use the degree that they studied for. And yet you have all this debt being piled, piled on. So all I'm saying is if you're one of those people who you're just going to college because someone said you have to, or your teacher said you have to, or your parents or you know society in general. And, and and you're not doing much better than just getting really good at beer pong, um, you really need to think <laughs> about that. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with beer pong, but you really need to think about why you're going there if you're just going for some nondescript business degree that you're going to pile up a bunch of debt and not have any idea what your end game is. You know what I mean?
1: Right. So now we've got this uh, um, because everybody thinks they have to go to college. And one one of the points of your book is that there's a huge deficit now of, folks that can come to our house and fix the wiring and, uh, uh frame up a house or, you know, pour cement or lay, uh, uh, foundations and stuff like that. So I really, I think this book needs to go to all, the, I think this book needs to go to all the kids before they, uh, think about going to college and realize there's an opportunity out there immediately, um, with some pretty good income.
0: You know, if you look at, some of the, um, I, I kind of call this the $400,000 swing, because if you, if, you, uh, if you think about going to a college that costs you forty to $50,000 a year, and you do that for four years, you know, that's, uh, that's $200,000 by the time you're done. Hopefully, you didn't have to borrow all that. But if you did, I mean, that, that's, that's what you're left with. Now, conversely, to your point, supply and demand is an amazingly powerful force, So, if we're oversupplying college degrees, and that means we're undersupplying, you know, contractors, people willing to work with their hands, for every five electricians that are retiring today, only one comes online. So, supply and demand is going to catch up to that real fast. And believe me, that's where all the money's going. Mm -hmm. So, now if if you think of, of someone who right out of school becomes an apprentice to somebody, and... Starts earning forty or fifty thousand a year in the same four-year period of time, they've earned two hundred thousand to their asset base to the other person who's two hundred behind. So there's a four hundred thousand dollars swing there, and that could mean a house. That could mean your your four one k funded. That could mean a car. I mean, <laughs> you can get a head start on your life if you just are willing to look at what your options are besides just the automatic, you know, path that. Uh, that you're
1: getting to. paid and you're getting paid and learning a skill at the same time. So it's exactly. a, uh, I was reading your book last night, uh, going over the 10,000 hour rule. Malcolm Gladwell talked about uh, mastering some concept or skill and, uh, the concept that 10,000 hours is kind of where it needs to be, you know, to be proficient. So I texted my son and I said, um, how long have you worked at, uh, where he works right now? He's a video editor and, uh, con- video photo- uh, videographer and video editor. And he said, since, 2012, uh, I said, okay, so that's eight years, 40 hour, I ran the math that you were writing in the book. I right. said, Do you realize that you're into this for 16,000 hours. You're like 6,000 hours way past the 10,000 hour rule. <laughs> right. I said, just let that sink in for a little bit and we'll talk tomorrow. But, uh, I think that's really that's really cool that kids need to realize that they could really be learning something that they can take with them for a very long time, and and earn a very decent living. More than well, and here's
0: and here's the other thing, you know, as as a, a business owner myself that hires people, when you find someone that's willing to look you in the eye and shake your hand, God forbid, be there early you're like, okay, I'm going to hang on to this guy. Like, I'm not letting him go for anything. Right. So, the, the point of me saying that is, in this day and age, if you hook yourself up to a really awesome, uh, you know, experienced contractor, that that gal or that guy is going to give you everything they have as quickly and as most concentrated form as they can possibly do because you're so hard to find, mm-hmm. Okay. So, it might be 6,000 hours before you master something that used to take 10. Mm -hmm. And and all I can say is, you know, if you can put yourself in a position, I mean, some of these guys, some of these finished carpenters are making 50 bucks an hour, okay? They're making as much as, you know, early on family doctors are making and without the debt and all the school. So, you know, I know a gal that um, she was going after a two-year degree and it really wasn't her thing. And, She just said, I'm going to finish it because I'm supposed to. And she had to take one more class. It was an elective. And her friend said, why don't you take welding? I I took it by accident. I fell in love with it. It was fun. You know, it was a good class. So, she did that. Now, she's standing on top of 300-foot windmills in (laughs) Ohio. And she's making $125,000 a year as a welder, as a millwright. And she had no intentions, God, of ever doing this. But so it awesome. just goes to show you what's possible if you just open your, open your mind and you know, open your eyes to, to, uh, to, again, what's possible out there.
1: You were talking in the book about the lady that operates a crane loading and unloading trains, was it, or something? And she does it yeah. from – she's, she's not in the crane itself. She's off in some other location in an office with joysticks and a keyboard. And I just thought that was amazing.
0: Yeah, she does. Um, she unloads boats, those okay. big containers. And so, she's up in that box and moving them around, but she's really doing it with a joystick. And and um, it's a really cool story. I, I love hearing stories of gals. There's another gal in town who, uh, her, her father was in the dump truck, the gravel hauling business. And, you know, that was like a, a guy's job, you know. And um, so, she would show up and, you know, the guys would make fun of her or whatever when she was younger. And Finally, she came in one day and she said, I'm going to go to the job site. She put the hard hat on went out there. And of course, you know, no one took her seriously. And then after a while, she started making some pretty smart moves. And now this gal who is probably 5'1", 120 pounds, has 12 huge Kenworth dump trucks. And she has her own business hauling gravel all over the place. (laughs) And she has the respect of everyone in the industry. And I just love those stories because- she just said, I'm going to give this a shot. I mean, no, no limits. Okay. I'm just going to go after and see where it goes. And now she's got a great business for herself.
1: That's awesome. Moving on through the book, you were talking about uh, some stories about time and time management and realizing being present and in the moment. And can you tell us a story uh, about the uh, life clock that someone gave (laughs) you for uh, Christmas or something like that?
0: Yeah, this was an amazing time. You know, it was it was one of those times, it was about this time of year, actually, um, when, when our business slows down a little bit. And this was a particularly tough year. It was early on. And uh, my staff decided to buy me this life clock. And I literally thought, wow, this is the coolest thing in the world. And uh, I plugged it in and did my calculations. And my life started spinning backwards <laughs> by the second, by the minute, by the hour. And after a while, I mean, I became this super efficient time management person because I didn't want to waste time on things that, you know, why did I have that conversation? I could have been doing this and why am I spending time on this when I could be doing that? So in the beginning, it was a fantastic a lesson in, in time management and how to, how to work your life. And then after a while, I started getting annoyed by this thing because it was chewing up too much of my life. I'd come back from a long weekend and there'd be a couple days missing. And so I ended up just destroying this thing and throwing it in the dumpster. But, um, I'll tell you what, I encourage anybody to do this. Um, it, it will change how you think about, uh, what you spend your time on. And, uh, it can only make you more efficient, which obviously should make you more you know, more profitable in, in, in whatever you do in your world. So, funny story.
1: <laughs> the uh, later on in the book, you also talking you also talk about the, as a blue collar worker uh, finding your superpower. Um, can you explain that just a little bit? What what did you mean by that?
0: Well, I, I think I, I think you have to sit down and you have to start the sentence with "Who but you." Who but you knows what you're good at? Who but you knows what you're passionate about? Who but you know, but you knows what you're really meant to be, okay? Um, And and if you start to answer those questions, you're going to start to get to where your superpower is. You know, it it could be that, first off, you're accepting of who you are, and you're going to be the best version of who you are, because when that happens, the world is better off for it. And then you start to think of things like, okay, so how can I give back? What's important to me? Um, what, what, what difference can I make in this world? What can I teach somebody else? How can I do one thing today where if I'm in contact with someone and, and we're done, they leave better off for having been in contact with me? I think those are very important things to be aware of because I can tell you that we do a lot of charity work here. And... Um, there is just nothing more powerful, Scott, than than to be able to give back in a way that you're not just writing checks, you're actually involved in what's happening. And you you begin to figure out why you were put on this earth when you get involved in some of those things. So I, I think finding your superpower is something that people at least ought to try to focus on, especially this time of year, because everyone could use it.
1: That's a, that's a good point. And I remember Kevin Kelly said, um, he, uh, he said one of the he said, "Don't be the best, be the only and yeah. uh, I thought that was pretty good. It's kind of what backs up what you said and I think the superpower for this podcast, this vidcast um i I thought about that when I first started started this um, I'd been laid off from a job, and I was really kind of uh irritated, bitter about it, mad, sure. you know yeah yeah. And I thought to myself, Zig Ziglar used to say, and I used to buy into the, well, I still do, but Zig Ziglar used to say, uh, to get, let's see, what do you say? To get what you want help enough other people get what they want or something like that. And then, I so after that, I thought, you know, that's, that's a bunch of hooey, you know, I've been busting my tail trying to help make other people's dreams come true. And right. they say sayonara. So because of COVID and oil prices and all that stuff earlier this year. So I thought, you know, I I love doing podcasts and vidcasts, uh, any kind of media. So I thought I'll just do my own. I'll just start my own. And uh, I'm not going to wait for someone to choose me. I'm going to, I'll choose myself and I'll just, uh, and and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight people. I'm going to try to, like this right now, give you the time to promote what it is that you believe in, you know, help others and so I'm kind of back into the the camp of helping people get what they want and I'll get what I want. And I think I, I even I'll be doing this for a long time because I love doing it.
0: Well, I can tell you, when you mentioned Zig Ziglar, I cracked a smile because I actually went to see him back in 1987 in Toledo, Ohio. Oh, yeah. I, I, he was always he always used to talk about his wife. He called her the redhead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it was fun. I mean, we, we, had, uh, we enjoyed his conversations and, and his teachings. Um, I, I actually took what you just said and I twisted a little bit. I, I've been saying to my staff here at the office for a long time, I can't get what I want nor can my company get what it wants until all of you get what you want first. Mm. And I can tell you for any business owners that are out there, you know, the old days of I am boss, you are employee, those days are gone. Okay. We live in a world now of people saying, Hey, what's in it for me to work there, Ken? Okay. Because I can job shop you all day long with the supply and demand that we have going on. So the minute you let go of being I am boss, okay, and you and you get wholly interested in what your people want for themselves, your company is going to take off like you have never imagined. Because once someone realizes that they can get what they want with and through the vehicle you call your company, they can control their input and their output and their income. They're going to basically tell you, thanks for the training, Ken. Now get out of my way and let me go do it. And all you have to do is drop fertilizer on that every couple of months. And I can tell you, it, it's it's an amazing thing to have a whole group of collective people just just kicking, kicking it like that and your company will go a lot further than you can go out uh, take it on your own. I I assure you that.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I I totally believe that. And you're absolutely right. I, I totally believe that. So to get the book, uh, blue collar cash, you can find blue collar cash, wherever books are sold, Amazon, uh, online, wherever. Um, yeah,
0: you can go to um, Amazon and Indie Books and Apple Books and all those places. There's there's actually a link on KenRusk.com. And one thing I wanted to mention, if I could. Yep. I've I've been sponsoring Make a Wish for 20 years now, and I give away a wish every single year. And uh, we get heavily involved in the family. We don't just again just pay for it. We we meet them beforehand. We see what they're doing, and then we meet them afterwards, and we stay with them for a while. I've been doing commercials with the kids for years. This year. Um, I'm trying to pull something off here. So, um, all of the proceeds from my book are going towards Make-A-Wish. And what I'm trying to do is get as many wishes as I can. I'm trying to do multiple wishes in one year instead of just one. So, I'm trying to get four or five going. And so, anyone that buys the book, just know that not only are you getting some great information for you or for a friend or maybe for a gift, you can knock one of your gifts off the list. Right. But um, you're also going to help Make-A-Wish at the same time. So, um, I would appreciate you going out and supporting the book and, and knowing that you're helping a child uh, that definitely needs some help this time of year.
1: Absolutely. Um, you can count me in on one of those books. Um, so like I said, uh, anybody out there watching, listening, if you have, uh, this book is good for, I don't care if you're 50 years old or 20 years old. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in here about, uh, you know, following your own dreams and it's never too late. Um, Ken has some great, uh, insight wisdom and uh how to's in this book about how to go about doing that from personal experience and uh, so yeah christmas time's a great time it's coming up birthdays anniversaries um blue collar cash is the name of the book i'll i'll put up a picture of the cover here while we're talking um ken thanks a lot for stopping by thank you for your time i really appreciate you uh helping make this dream come true
0: yeah happy holidays and again congratulations on your podcast i wish you all the best
1: with it All right. Well, for Ken Rusk, this is Scott Townsend. Thanks for joining the Scott Townsend Show. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you later.
0: The Scott Townsend Show is a Dietz O'Man production. For more episodes, visit the Scott Townsend Show YouTube channel, listen on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Scott Townsend Show.